0: Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. First, a caveat here. This is for stewards, not sprayers. I'm not expecting to appeal to all of my industry peeps here. Don't hear this as a blanket condemnation. Recognize that our world has significantly changed over the last few years. If you don't agree, you're not really paying attention. I'm not talking about politics or the developments in artificial intelligence, our self-driving autonomous future, or the rantings of an egomaniacal rapper or a space billionaire. I'm talking about the quietest and most subtle of changes, fundamental and measurable shifts in the upper atmosphere, results of research showing shattering diminishments in insect populations, dramatic pattern changes in oceanic fish migrations, and destination changes for the world's bird species, and most tellingly, the rampant scouring of ever larger tracts of the earth for agriculture and development when i was younger i remember having an awe-inspiring respect for the big picture designers that plied the trade ian mccarg tommy church grant jones and rich hag to name a few some leaned in on an environmental ethos while others were designers of specialty niches or focused on the sweeps of form and geometries that i was trying to learn i also had made naive assumptions about the green industry folks that i'd be fortunate enough to be able to work around Like many of us, I came to the career with an initial focus on the plant materials and the wonders of flora. I'd assumed that we were all unified as stewards of the land, and if I was able to successfully learn my craft, I might one day find myself in the rarefied atmosphere of those that understood and were able to carefully and successfully sustain and remediate the negative effects of human interaction. I expected an environmental dialogue, an ecological back and forth with the earth as a constant, a backstop to keep the conversation rational. I found out over time that this was not really the case. For a lot of folks, it's just a business like any other. You roll out, you do your thing, you come back home. You don't concern yourself with the big picture issues, the touchy-feely, crystal-gazing, tree-hugging aspects of being in the green industry. At least I think that's the way some might see it. I don't know if you've noticed the subtle changes that I have in talking to people in our industry. You know what it's like. You go to a social function and you're speaking to someone who's traveling in a parallel universe with you, working for a different company perhaps, or doing a similar type of job. More often than not, you'll be talking to someone who has a distinct environmental sensibility and is caring about the world we live in and careful about the kinds of products that they're specifying and how they're being applied. Folks will talk about their individual and ongoing worry about the unnecessarily varied and cross-marketed range of products that are specified to be sprayed and applied every season. And how for some it feels that we've somehow crossed the Rubicon with regard to the overuse of these products. In particular herbicides and pesticides and fertilizers and sometimes those things in combination. On another note, you might read the trade magazines. You might be reviewing editorial content. You might be looking for guidance as to how to approach your work from professionals that write about our industry. When you do, you'll be struck as to how different the conversation is from the personal conversations that you're having. It's as if two vehicles trying to reach the same destination along the same road were purposely diverging and yet hoping to reach the same place. You might think that you'd have to be reading articles and hearing opinion that is in keeping with your own environmental concerns, but in general, you'd be wrong. The fact is, our green industry has been hijacked. The thinking and orientation that's reflected in your industry peers is not reflected in the advertorial content of the contracting trade magazines. It's easy to get worked up about it and to feel a certain level of resentment that the message that you hope to convey is just not being reflected. But on another level, it's easy to understand. Trade magazines and trade associations are simply private companies orienting themselves to the manner in which they're funded. This is just natural, capitalistic behavior. You don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. And yet the message is so fundamentally opposed to the way that many rank-and-file green industry members feel, this is accepted and we move on. These magazines arrive in the mail monthly, often as free subscriptions, and nothing much changes. And so what are we doing here? Are we to accept that we're really just an industry that exists for spraying herbicide and pesticide product every spring and fall? Sure, we feel good about the natural process materials that are making up some small part of what we do. But in the end, this is not going to be the orientation of a Bayer or a Syngenta. These firms have products to sell, and they're going to sell them. Visit the big box stores in spring and fall, and you'll know what message is really getting across. So in the end, the green industry is being defined by these products, as well as plastic lawns, and the candy-colored nature of endlessly sterile plant varietals. This could go on without interruption. But now we have a new elephant in the room. As the storm clouds gather, somehow the air is clearer. Disagreements are being cast aside. We're slowly growing out of the fogged atmosphere of argument around climate change. The fundamental shift in the Earth's patterns is now measurable and understood. Those that work to obfuscate and redirect the discussion away from responsibility are being ignored and shut down. As green industry professionals, we can see aspects of this change in ways that the public perhaps cannot. The diminished availability of certain plant materials is understood now. The lingering effects of insect activity during the warm season is dramatically stressing once durable plant materials. The preciousness of water is beyond a crisis in some regions of the country, and the need to specify and reorient ourselves toward habitat and remediation of damage caused by development is known. Who can argue against this? Our own trade magazines can our national and regional landscape trade organizations can. These are all true and accepted observations now within the environment that we are living in. How are we responding to this in the same fashion as before? Are we supporting positive changes to slow climate change? What are we doing on a personal level? How are we actually taking a responsibility I think one place to take responsibility is to be vocal about our concerns with industry folks at an environmentally responsible level and not to consider business as usual. This means a clear and consistent dialogue at a regional and national trade organization level and in response to social media and with our trade magazine editorial content. In any event, when you talk about environmental issues, you're bound to have a number of folks in the industry shut down or resist the topic. Their livelihoods may be based upon their ability to freely spray and spew and spread herbicide and pesticide on a regular basis, regardless of need. They don't want to be bothered with this kind of discussion and will generally shut it down anyway. In a public realm that is so polarized that facts don't really matter and conspiracy theories abound, we couldn't be in a more inflammatory atmosphere to be discussing these critical issues than we are now. Nevertheless, let's cover a number of areas of critical concern. The first is the problem posed by recurring calendar care. You know what this is about. This is the knee-jerk scheduling of spraying and fertilizing and herbicide applications on an ongoing basis for commercial and residential accounts. The work's done according to a calendar program and not with any consideration of actual site issues. IPM and natural process methodologies are ignored, generally because the topics are too cumbersome to get into, and the detail necessary does not lend itself to a business model that is based on volume and low margin. This can be a real problem for pragmatic companies with limited resources that are trying to solve for their bottom line. It's difficult for them to envision a business model that does not involve applying product and then being able to charge for it but the facts present themselves quite differently. Less can, in fact, be more. Ironically, most clients will respond positively to an orientation based upon a more benign approach. In some cases, a carefully crafted natural process program can be charged at a higher rate and yield a correspondingly higher profit. But most importantly, with the proper education and a carefully considered orientation with the client, the outcome, the visual impact, does not need to be as flawless and traditionally beautiful overall. A certain roughness and natural irregularity can be welcomed and expected. Weeds, perhaps those most vexing of problems that need to be addressed as a function of landscape care, can be at least partially alleviated by a careful education of the client, a subsequent interplanting with native ground cover, and enough time to knit together to form a relatively reliable barrier against certain weeds. Flame weeders and contact herbicides derived from horticultural vinegar can be combined with a tailored regimen fitted to each individual site and charged accordingly. This is not necessarily an easy task when the industry is oriented toward a plug-and-play approach, but again, this is something that needs to be discussed and merchandised as a new kind of orientation toward landscape care. The big residential commercial players in landscape care would do well to develop this kind of an idea as an adaptation to our new reality. Our trade magazines need to change. Those that don't offer a true reflection of the way the industry needs to be oriented need to be set aside. And green industry folks need to weigh in to the magazines with requests for editorial content to change. A free and robust dialogue needs to be occurring. We need to be in full discussion and not minimizing these concerns or allowing the loudest or best-funded voices to define what needs to occur. The fact is that if there are natural products that are on the market and purchased by rank-and-file green industry companies, the chemical trade interests will lean in on the profitable aspects of this marketplace and begin to make more of these kinds of products. Look at the food industry. This is at least what might be a small reorientation toward using more benign applications on job sites. This is something that can be done and can be more readily redirected based upon the demands within the marketplace. These demands need to be made by you and your local supplier needs to feel this demand. Trade organizations need to feel this change. Too often we find ourselves split into camps that are extremes of this issue. That makes it easy to insulate ourselves and disregard those that don't agree with us. Those that are environmentally concerned are seen as crystal gazers and tree huggers. Those that are actively working and using the products that are advertised are purveyors of poison. Neither of these are in any way accurate. I think that most would agree that the consumer, when given the opportunity, will generally lean in on a more benign environmental pr- approach if it's offered. The problem we're having that this is more detailed and innovative, personalized and tailored as a definition of annual care and seasonal understanding of each individual property, it won't move as much product and in so doing will not appeal to our trade organizations or by the trade magazines either. Concerned green industry professionals need to weigh in with their trade organizational groups and carefully shift them to a new way of articulating the message for working professionals and the public. The public messaging in turn needs to be carefully reoriented toward understanding how these natural processes occur on a residential and commercial level. If you search your county resources, in particular the State University Agricultural Extensions, you'll find a good bit of readily available horticultural resource guidance in the form of links to how-to literature, and in some instances you can order complimentary handouts and brochures that you can use and give to clients. Focusing in on the top 10 pests and diseases in your area and the most common concerns related to home landscape care, lawns, weed control, habitat preservation, and other garden issues, you can generally orient yourself toward a carefully articulated response for most landscape care needs. So if we were to isolate the most pressing and easy to address issues with regard to misinformation, where would we look? Let's take four areas that are an immediate concern. Phosphate fertilizers are a huge issue, contributing to diminishment of fish habitat and the general decline in the quality of local waterways. We need to push for the complete removal of phosphate fertilizers from the product chain. On another level, we need to stop the use of weed and feed products. These are combination products that unnecessarily pair up herbicides with fertilizers in such a way as to present a certain kind of false environmental panacea for homeowner clients. They are not only the ultimate form of poisonous milkshake, but really they reflect a certain industry laziness. These products are a knee-jerk, kill-all reaction to just not having the time or taking the care to understand what's going on outside your front door. This has to stop overall. And this needs to start with the contracting community. I have certain mixed feelings about the uses of artificial turf. One could argue that it is not really that different from installing a hardscape patio, but one does not really look at the ramifications of the temporary nature of this kind of installation and the shockingly wasteful landfill trash pile that's made by this material when it's discarded. So use a discriminating eye when you're reading industry articles or taking part in a green professional's discussion. Try to have a heightened level of awareness around how you're receiving the message and being recommended to try a product. Shift your specs. Change the products in your shop. Scratch your head and figure out a way to get your environmental message across. Carefully consider the impact of the new varietals on your local habitat and bird populations. Concern yourselves with impermeable surface and the appropriate uses of hardscapes, in particular artificial turf. Don't accept misinformation or allow yourself to be arm-twisted into applying certain products. We don't have the time to mess around. Thanks for listening.